Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Uh, good morning, everyone. Now, firstly, hands up. Who enjoys a good superhero film? Okay, a few people. Right, apologies, because that was a trick question, because there's no such thing as a good superhero <laughs> film. Okay, yeah. So that's all I have to say, really, for shall we? No, no, no. Um, so the films I like are about the real-life superheroes, so you've got uh, Hackshaw Ridge, where Desmond Doss is the medic who puts himself in danger by going beyond enemy lines to bring back wounded soldiers. Or you've got 21, I think they might pop up on the screen in a sec. Uh, you've got 21, which is a film all about Jackie Robinson, who was the first um, black baseball player in Major League Baseball. Uh, you've got Race, which is a film all about uh, Jesse Owens' three gold medals in the 19, 1936 Olympics in Berlin. So real-life superheroes. And now, <clears throat> at the start of a superhero movie, I've, I've been told, uh, there's, there's normally a problem. You know, Gotham is in danger, and only Superman can save the day. Something like that. Um, and where we are in Judges today, um, there, there is a big problem. God's people have been led into the promised land, um, but, well, they, they are oppressed by stronger nations and impoverished. Not only this, but they have ceased to worship God and have built their own idols instead. God's people uh, were in trouble and there was nothing they could do of their own strength or might to free them from Midianite oppression. They were helpless. They needed a hero. And this is where we meet Gideon. Now, I don't know what you have in mind when you think about Gideon in the Bible, about the story of Gideon. Now, I've always quite, quite liked Gideon. He's, he's the relatable hero. As the story goes, he's uh, hiding out in a wine press. He's scared. God comes to him and he calls this little scared man a mighty warrior. And now Gideon is still pretty doubtful. So he does the whole, the whole fleece thing, wet fleece, dry fleece. Um, but eventually he leads a small army to victory over their enormous uh, oppressors. So well done, Gideon. Good job. It's, it's the classic underdog story that we all love. Gideon, the hero. And now, thinking about this series, at the start of this series, I was really looking forward to, to learning a bit more about, about Gideon, the hero. How God chose this fearful man uh, to be his mighty warrior. I wanted to be a bit of a Gideon. Now, as I read more about as I've read more about Gideon, to be honest, I felt a little disappointed, maybe even a little let down. Don't get me wrong, Gideon does some pretty noteworthy and admirable things, 
some of it which we will look at and see in this passage, and some we'll see in the weeks to come in this series. But this time I read a little further on um, to see what Gideon gets up to, and and it's not all great. Uh, Towards the end of his life, he destroys two Israelite tribes, and then after accumulating a lot of wealth, he collects a whole load of gold ornaments, melts them, and creates a big idol out of it for all people to worship, which feels like kind of undermines much of the story we're looking at today. Um, but so, and so chapter 8, verse 27 of Judges says, All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And and this is where Gideon leaves the people of Israel. When Gideon dies, this is what is happening with God's people. So where does this leave me with my relatable hero? Let's just say that Gideon is a man of inconsistencies. So do I still want to be a Gideon? Well, with all of this in mind, let's come back to the start of this passage we're looking at today. God's people are in trouble, and God chooses Gideon to save his people. Well, now we know a little more about Gideon. Why does God consider him the suitable candidate for this mission, the hero that Israel needs? Well, I would say the fact that God calls Gideon actually tells us very little about Gideon, his personality, strengths, weaknesses, but it tells us a lot about the God that calls him. God calling Gideon tells us very little about Gideon, but an awful lot about the God that calls him. God's calling of Gideon speaks of his unwavering commitment to his people. God made a commitment to Israel He bound himself to them. So this story we're looking at today speaks of a bigger story. The story to save the helpless, those enslaved to oppressors that they are not able to defeat in their own strength. The passage uh, we are looking at today speaks of God's covenant to his people. Exodus 6 verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. That God would call an idol worshipper gripped by fear for his purposes demonstrates God's grace and love for Gideon, but more so his relentless pursuit to rescue his people and bring them back into relationship with him. As we look at this story today, the the main character character isn't uh, primarily our flawed but relatable hero, but it is the God who, out of his unwavering love, takes flawed people and puts them at the front of his mission. Now, As I've alluded to before, I haven't watched too many superhero movies. Um, But as far as I'm aware, they've never made a film about Superman just relaxing in his garden, doing a bit of weeding, 
or Batman just watching Netflix, okay? There, there is always a mission. And Gideon's is this in verse 25 and 26. Uh, we read, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, and offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So there are two components to this mission. Take down the idol and build an altar to God. And both of these tasks are crucial to what God is looking to do through Gideon. Um, it may seem pretty weird to us that they have made this altar to Baal after God had led them into the promised land, but um, ancient Israel uh, worshipped Baal because he was the god of the weather. I'm actually a little surprised he hasn't caught on a bit more in modern-day Britain. Um, but the people of Israel were totally reliant on the weather for their agricultural prosperity. They were oppressed by stronger nations, and their hope for their physical survival was being in was was being um, in having enough food to go round. So although the weather god may not be something we can relate to strongly today, in their minds, worshipping Baal was the practical way of securing their prosperity, their health, their status in society. And, and when have we not worried about those things? So when we think about Gideon's mission... Uh, we probably think of defeat the Midianites, um, conquer the oppressors. But right at the start of Gideon's story here, his mission is clear. Tear down the idol that has taken God's place of worship and worship the Lord instead. Now, an, an idol is something that, that takes God's place as the direction of our worship in our lives, uh, something we look to for our security, our happiness, our, our worth. And reflecting on this, at different times, um, there have been, been different things that I have um, looked to for my happiness, my worth, for success. And actually, um, one thing that I've had to, I think, grapple with continually over the last few years for me, it would be probably to do with work and success. Um, and since, I'd say since leaving university, I have at times really struggled with taking my, my satisfaction, um, happiness, worth from, from how things were doing at work. I say this is probably an ongoing thing for me of coming to God and saying that you are the only one who can satisfy where my worth is secure where I stand tall. You are the flawless God who loves flawed people. I think there are just a few things that can um, help us see when something has a slightly unhealthy hold over our head and heart. Um, I think sometimes the, the prominence it has in our head when you're thinking about something all the time and uh, 
this can be something that I, I can def- I've particularly struggled with, say, with that example with work. Um, also, con- control. Uh, when we have an idol, the idea we want to be in control. And when we're not, we don't like it at all. And um, I think something we see in the story of Gideon today, if someone breaks down your idol or takes it away, you want to kill them. Well, maybe not literally, although this is what happens in the passage. But if someone takes away your threat of worth, prosperity, value, um, yeah, we, we, have the, we can identify with those similar emotions that um, Gideon's village felt in the passage. So in the story of Gideon, instead of worshipping God, the creator, God's people have chosen to worship something created. And this is the, the story of the Bible, is God rescuing us from ourselves, the idols we have made, bringing us back to him, to worship him. And we have all turned away from God and looked to created things to fulfil and satisfy us. And the Christian life is not about sinning and not sinning. It's about the true worship of Christ and all that he is for us. We were built to worship, to know wholeness in worshipping the only one who is worthy of our worship. Um, Now, I know I was a little harsh with Gideon earlier. Um, our, Our relatable hero has known success, but also great failure too. But let's have a little look of how he gets on in this story. So verse 27 says, So Gideon took on ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So did he take down the altar to Baal? Yes. Did he build an altar to the Lord? Yes. Uh, Well done, Uh, Job, well, yeah, job done, Uh, mission complete. Uh, Well done, bravo, Gideon. Um, Was Gideon obedient to what God had asked him to do? Yes, he was. Um, But in the passage, what we do see that characterises Gideon's obedience to God here is is fear, but not a fear of God, uh, a reverence, an awe, He was afraid. He was afraid of the townspeople. It says, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So we see that same fear on uh, on display in this story that we saw uh, at the start of Gideon's story when he was threshing wheat in the winepress, hiding from the Midianites. Uh, So what do we see of how Gideon responds in this story to what God asks him to do? Well, he responds with a yes, but but it's a flawed yes. Obedience, but a flawed obedience. Gideon does do what God asks of him, but in this response, we see the fear and the doubts that have characterised Gideon before, 
and will do again. But in Gideon's flawed yes, we see the kindness and the heart of the flawless God. God is with Gideon. He works with him and his, uh, and, and his yes to see his purposes come in this situation. To draw his people back to the worship of the one true God. The hope for, for Gideon is the same hope we have today. That God uses our flawed yes for his glory, for his purposes. This uh, whole series has been called uh, God Stories from the Margins, looking at the stories of, of Gideon and Ruth. Uh, we have looked at how God calls and uses people otherwise overlooked and unimportant to build his kingdom. And, and that is us. We are uh, the people on the margin. We were once far from God, worshipping other things. But God has called us, brought us back to him, and in his grace, uses our flawed yeses to build his kingdom. God has bound himself to us in Christ. He has made us to worship him. He uses our flawed yes for his glory. And now, when I think of some of the times that I have said yes to God, or what he have what he has asked of, of me. Um, there has been some faith, but a lot of fear, nervousness, and trepidation. And my yeses are flawed because I am a flawed person. But God has used those flawed yeses because he is the flawless God. The flawless God that in his character uses flawed people and their flawed yeses. I think sometimes we want to give a perfect yes. And if we don't think our yes will be perfect, if we don't think we will have uh, success, then and we have fear, we'll, we'll say no. But, but we are a flawed people. We can't give a perfect yes but we are bound to the one who uses flawed people and flawed yeses. Gideon was unbelievably flawed, but said yes, and God uses him hugely. Um, as we come to the end of this story, Gideon is in a bit of a tight spot. Through careful investigation, the townspeople discover that he was the one that tore down the Asherah pole. And in their minds, he's the one that's going to stop them getting a decent harvest this year. Um, he's the one putting their, their lives and their families' lives in danger. The people go to Joash, Gideon's dad, and they demand that Gideon is released so that they can kill him. It's crunch time, and the crucial line in this story is this from Joash in verse 31. If Baal really is a god, 
He can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. The proof is in the pudding. Does Baal have the power to defend himself? Now, uh, has anyone seen the musical Hamilton? Maybe, maybe. Um, It's a musical about the founding of America. And there's one scene where Jefferson and Hamilton are arguing about whether they should support France in their war with England. Um, Jefferson says they should honour the promise they made to King Louis, uh, but King Louis is now dead. And in Hamilton's response, he says the following. And actually, in, in the musical, it's like a rap. Um, so I've, I've been, I've been practising, so I'll, I'll give it a go. No, I'm, I'm not going to. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to do that. But um, so he says this. We signed a treaty with a king whose head is now in a basket. Would you like to take it out and ask it? Should we honour uh, our treaty, King Louis's head? Uh, do whatever you want. I'm super dead. And now Hamilton presents the idea of keeping a promise to this dead king as a joke, as absurd. What's he going to do? What does he care? And I think there's also a similar humour and disdain in the passage we read today. The difference in the story is stark. One God is made from wood and stone and the other is not. The other God is alive and has power. I spoke before about God's promise to his people. Any promise is redundant if the promise giver has no power to go through with it, as Joash and Hamilton have demonstrated. Through Jesus, God showed both the depth of his promise to his people and also the supremacy of his power to follow it through. Unlike Baal, who isn't real and doesn't control the weather, and unlike King Louis, who is dead, God keeps promises with his people, not on a technicality, but because of who he is, because of his nature. Uh, When I was in my late teens, I saw uh, two of my close friends, no Christian background whatsoever, come to know Jesus. And in the time that has passed, I have seen them totally transformed from broken and far from God to to resembling him, his character. And I think for me, uh, this was probably the first time I really started to grasp that that we worship the living God who has the heart and the power to transform lives today. Reflecting on Gideon's story, um, what is so beautiful is that uh, my friendship with these people has always been utterly flawed. But God in his grace used even flawed me to show them his flawless self. Um, Now, let me tell you a little more about Alexander Hamilton, the the star of the musical. Uh, He grew up poor in the Caribbean. Uh, He was orphaned young uh, with a little prospect of a good life. There's actually a song at the start of the musical that puts this much better than what I'm doing now. Um, 
Um, she had little prospect of a good life, let alone hero status or a musical written about him. Uh, but the one thing he could do was write, and he wrote really well. People saw that in him um, and collected money to send him to, to New York. When he was there, he continued to take every opportunity given to him. And although a flawed character in many ways, he was given opportunities to flourish. And eventually, George Washington um, brought him onto his staff, brought him into the mission of defeating the English and founding a new nation. Now, like Hamilton, our standing is dependent on who we are aligned with. But unlike Hamilton, we don't need to convince someone else of our worth, nor can we. God sees us completely and our worth is given because he says we are of worth to him. Through Jesus, God meets us as we are, totally flawed, and he asks us to follow him. In the Bible, time and time again, we see flawed heroes, people who God gives purpose to and brings into his mission. And Gideon is no different to this. Ultimately, we see God himself step physically into this world with a very clear mission of rescuing us and bringing us back to worship him. Jesus' yes was never half-hearted or flawed. Jesus' yes to us is final and complete. So we can say yes to him, his purpose, his mission. God takes us in our flawed state, even when our yeses, like Gideon's, are pretty rubbish, because he has bound himself to us, because he is the almighty, promise-keeping God.